Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. You've come like on top. To read a sort of ghost story from like my <laughs> reclines and everything. You've, oh wow! Yeah. You've come out on top with that show. Yeah. It's disappointing. I had a question for you, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it was probably not that interesting. Yeah. No, it probably wasn't that interesting, was it? <laughs> Huh. Was it about chairs? No, and we've already had the fruit debate. <laughs> yeah, that was fascinating, so. But yeah, I think it was the highlight of the day. Save that for the podcast next time. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe we'll skip the fruit debate and just go straight to the podcast, will we? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Joining me, Ian McCoy, on today's One Football podcast is Dan Burke. Hello. Andre Gonzalez. Hi. And Roman Velter. Hi. The usual email if you want to get in touch is podcast at onefootball.com. Get all your questions in and get onto iTunes, give the pot a rating and leave a comment to let us know how you think we're doing. Dan, I'm really worried. Football might actually be coming home. <laughs> so you say you're worried, but on Friday you were saying that you'd quite like England to win the World Cup. Yeah. I know you probably didn't want me to re- reveal that publicly, but those were your words. So I, I was there. I listened to that as yeah. well. I was shocked. My Northern Irish father will be turning in his grave at the, <laughs> at the thought of that. Uh, it, it's, it's odd. It's a feeling I can't quite explain in that normally growing up, you had all that, I mean, coming from a sort of nationalist background, you would have those uh, certain feelings towards England, mm-hmm. let's say, and the national team. And there was so much arrogance around them, so much arrogance. But that's... It's, it's amazing. It's all just evaporated away. Mm. And all of a sudden, here's this likable bunch of players who all seem fairly cool. There's no arseholes. Gareth Southgate seems like a good chap. He's got all this stuff in order. You can see that he clearly cares without bordering on the Ikea trashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to feel about it. Neither do I, to be honest. Because I like all of these players. Individually, I like all of these players. Mm. I'm watching them play for their clubs. But before, I could never put that together and say, oh, yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. that's not so bad. But now, now I can. Yeah. So I should think... I be worried? Um, I don't know if you should be that worried, no. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit nervous about this Croatia game on Wednesday. Um, I think it could, be, it could be the end of the road for England. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. But, you know, as I just mentioned, as we were walking into the studio, anyone could beat anyone at this World Cup. So yeah. it, it's really impossible to call. Um, the game against Sweden... It was all a bit easy, wasn't it? There was mm. no tension, no drama. I mean, why was that? Was it Southgate or was it and his tactics or was Sweden just rubbish? I thought Sweden were okay. Oh, I mean, okay. they created some chances. Jordan Pickford made some excellent saves, but I just thought England were really good overall. Um, I was thinking before the game how great it would be if, if it could just be for once in England's history, just a straightforward 2-0 win. You know, no drama like that. And it was. And it's amazing, really, that kind of shows how far this team have come in a World Cup quarter-final. They can just kind of breeze through it like that. But, yeah, like I say, they've got some uh, much tougher tests on the road ahead, I think. Have you bought into England yet, Andre? I know uh, you're, you're sceptical about it. I'm still sceptical. Uh, it's it's really good for England that they, they were in the easy bracket of the uh, of the World Cup. Um, that defeat against Belgium was probably the best thing that happened to, to England. Yeah. Um, if they were on the other side, they would probably be gone by now. Um, I think I think the game against Sweden was really odd and and easy for England because um, uh, 
some of the biggest strengths of Sweden in the tournament so far completely disappear against against England. And I think mostly because uh, Southgate did a great job and prepared the, the team to to play against Sweden. Um, we, with set pieces in, in particular, I, I was saying to Roman that every time there was a cross from, from England to the Swedish box, it would be so dangerous. And usually, Swedes are quite good on that. Um, not on that game in particular. And again, Pickford saved, the, um, saved, saved England like three times. Mm -hmm. I like Pickford. He's, he's been doing an incredible World Cup. Yeah. Roman, England? Impressed at this stage? Not at all, no. <laughs> Okay, maybe this also impress a Frenchman. It's very hard to impress a Frenchman, especially one as high standards as Roman. <laughs> you're not impressed at all. Or are you just worried that you could meet them in the final? I'm worried that we could lose against them in the final because, as you said, uh, anything can happen from now. But I think they had quite an easy game so far because Colombia was quite weak. They didn't have their one of their best player or the best player. Mm. Sweden kind of disappeared during the game. Then I mean. England did a good game and collectively it's impressive. But I'm still quite uh, skeptical about, for instance, Pickford or even the back three. I think against a, a better team, against Mandzukic, for instance, I would like to see how it will go. Oh, I like, I like Mandzukic. There were, there were some questions with the back three over the game um, with, uh, with Sweden. But when they uh, somehow didn't solve the problem, Pickford did. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if that's going to keep happening. But if, if, if it happens, we can see them in the final. Because keep going. Oh, no, no. Well, <laughs> we're, we're about to say something. I was going to say, well, some fans also have some problems with Raheem Sterling. On mm. BBC, they gave him a five. I have to say, this guy could rescue a baby from a burning building <laughs> and people would still have problems with him. <laughs> and I think it was Daniel Harris who had a tweet yesterday saying that if you thought Raheem Sterling played badly yesterday, then you don't understand football. Dan, I mean, why are so people... Explain why people are so wrong about him, basically. That's what I want you to do. Well, I mean, I think Daniel Harris is absolutely right there. I mean, you look at the runs he's making in behind. Um, you know, you talk about England's strength from set pieces. How often have those set pieces been won as a result of Sterling chasing a ball down and someone having to blast it out for a corner and stuff like that? His movement is really intelligent. Um, the chance, I'm going to say chance that he had because he was offside for the other one, so it was irrelevant against Sweden. But the chance that he did have just before half time, it was a difficult ball over the top coming over his shoulder. He brought it down expertly. He tried to take it around the goalkeeper. The keeper got a good touch on it and then Sweden recovered quickly. There wasn't really a pass on for him. And it, were it not for a good block from the defender, he would have scored there. So everyone's sort of, you know, talking about how wasteful he is in front of goal. His finishing does leave a lot to be desired. He scored, I don't think he scored for England for 24 games now or something like mm -hmm. that. But. If you think he's rubbish, I don't know what to tell you, basically. And I hope, I hope that it's all set up for this perfect fairy tale ending where he scores the World Cup winning goal. And anyone who's ever criticised him up to now, like, they shouldn't be allowed it's to enjoy be the that. New, I don't the think. new good, sir. <laughs> I, would, I would thoroughly enjoy if Raheem Sterling, given his background and everything that he's done, and given the political situation in the UK right now, if he scored the winning goal in a World Cup, that would please me no end. <laughs> is what I would say. Um, why have England got so far? 
I think we've touched on it already today. It's, it's just been a perfect storm, really. They had an easy group. They finished second in that group, and that actually, you know, meant that the knockout rounds were yeah. easy for them as well. So Southgate was getting pelters for that at the time. Yeah, too. It very much divided the nation, and I, I was really behind the idea of England finishing second in that group. I don't think they did it on purpose necessarily, but you know, his team selection suggested that he wasn't, you know, that mm-hmm. asked about winning that game against Belgium, and, and neither were they really. So. Yeah, I think finishing second has been really beneficial to them. Okay. But, you know, they've not played anyone yet, really, and they're going to play a good team on Wednesday. They are. Will he be making, will Southgate make any changes for the game? I'd be amazed if he did, to be honest, yeah. I think no Marcus Rashford? Again. No, I don't no. think so. I yeah. think he'll persist with Sterling. I think he loves Sterling and really appreciates what he does for the team, and I don't think, I think Rashford's a, a really good young player, but I don't think he's got the same sort of intelligence of movement as Sterling has. And had didn't quite produce it when he did play against Belgium? No, no. Yeah, fair enough. As for uh, Croatia, they're just the second side to progress on a penalty shootout in consecutive knockout games in a World Cup tournament. That's a big boost. Can anyone name the other team to do it? Now, that's a test of your football intelligence. What year was it? I'll give you the years 1990. Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia are one of the teams involved. Yugoslavia and Italy. Italy, yeah. They made it to the third place. So who, who knocked them out in the 1990 World Cup? Come on. Argentina. It was Germany. Argentina. Argentina. Oh, okay. Come on. So I was thinking about Croatia, and um, I don't know if any of you are friends are fans of Seinfeld, but there's one where Jerry's dating this girl, and she looks good in one light, but not in another. <laughs> and then George responds by saying he's familiar with this syndrome. She's a two-face. And that's what Croatia kind of remind me of. Absolutely brilliant in the group stages, you bring them to the knockout stages, they look slow, bit sluggish, susceptible to counterattacks. So yeah, I don't I, know. I, I don't know what to, I mean, what do you make of this Croatia team? I don't think TV? they're that slow. No? I think it's pretty hard to um you have to they 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 gone they gone through two extra times and you you're paying for that. Um they're playing they played against a, a very strong Russia physically speaking. <laughs> Yeah, who could run a lot? They can run a lot. They 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 were, they were everywhere on the pitch, and it's not easy to play against the home team. Uh, it's Russia, but still, it's the yeah. it's the home team. So, um, I, I see. I see. This is the Croatia I was expecting since the beginning of the World Cup because they they're good. Um, usually, everyone says that they they're gonna screw up and on a certain certain point. Mm. Um, so far, they did not, and they were lucky with the penalty shootout and all that stuff. Um, but they they've been good. It was one of one, honestly, it is one of the most entertaining teams to watch in this World Cup, and yeah. we don't have a lot of them. No. And so you think they deserve to go through against Russia then? Yeah, they were the better team over the yeah over the game. I think so. Okay, how can England beat them? That's what I'm interested to know. What can England do to get past this team? Do they just have to shut down Modric? Is that the key? Keep Mandzukic quiet? If you shut down uh, Modric, you're still going to have Brozovic. Mm. If you shut down Brozovic, you're still going to have Luka Modric. So I think it's going to be really complicated for England to shut down the um, the, the man with the ball, the guy who's going to start the, the all the, the plays, like the playmaker in uh, in um, in Croatia. Uh, they have a lot of quality, even with Rebic in the middle. Um, they, have, they have a lot of options. Even if you if you don't have any of those, you have Kovacic on the bench. It's it's a great team from Croatia. 
And uh, you, you ask me if, if this team is better than the 98th generation? That's going to be my next question. Yeah. So you want to answer it now? Uh, yeah, I can do it. I, I yeah. think they, they, they are better than the 98th. They have more options. They have, they, they, yeah, they do have more options than, than they had back in, in 98. You can be put to death in Croatia just for even saying that. Because <laughs> if you think about it, in, in, back in 98, they, have, they used to have like Prozineski, uh, Sukar, Boban, um, uh, Stanic, Uh, a very young uh, Darius Simic at the time. Um, I forgot about the great the great names on that team. And it's it's in, it's an incredible team. But you have they had a very strong eleven, but their options on the bench were just okay. And now they have a lot of options on the bench. If if they need to get someone from the bench, it's going to have a lot of it's going to have a lot of quality as well. Okay, should we talk about Vida's hair? <laughs> we can talk about that all night long. Oh, that's something else. Otherworldly. Okay, I think that's probably enough about England and Croatia for now. We'll just get some quick predictions from you, Roman. To one for Croatia. Andre? Okay. Uh, I've been betting against England the whole tournament <laughs> <laughs> because I was still not convinced. So um, I'm, I'm going with, with England and a damn miracle. <laughs> Do you want to give a score? 2-1 uh, England. Like two penalties for Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, we'll let you have the final word on this one. Nil-nil, England on penalties. Whoa. Croatia's looks got to run out uh, in terms of penalty shootouts. So, okay. Okay. So now we know, are they, are they going to Yeah, score? exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've, been, we've been seeing that. We've seen a lot of their penalties so far. Anyway, as for France, the French game was a bit like the English one, Roman, wasn't it? I was expecting something tense, something tight. Yeah, it was a bit easy for France, wasn't it? Actually, we were really happy when Cavani got injured. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> we just had to take care of Suarez in the end during the game. So, yeah, it was easier than we thought. And uh, we also enjoyed the composure of the French team, which, which was really good during 90 minutes. So mm. it was much more easy than we thought. So what were, the, what were the main talking points from the game from you then, from a French perspective, I guess? First, it was the goal of Varane, because uh, in 2014... He was the one uh, at fault uh, against Hummels when we were lost in Gregan, Germany. So mm. it's good that he took back this. Yeah. And then the thing is that we have a young team as England, but they managed quite well the tempo of the, of the game. They didn't rush to score a second one. They didn't give any space or any option to Uruguay. And we thought that this was quite impressive also for, for this team. Okay. And some good big performances in there too. Nobody, nobody sort of hit. Was, I enjoyed it. We, I mean, in the middle, it was quite uh, impressive. Mm. I mean, I think N'Golo Kante is one of the best players in the World Cup since the beginning. Every time the ball comes somewhere, he's already there. So mm. it's quite impressive. And uh, for this time, we had Luris. We did the, the save that he had to do. So it was a, a good thing. Mm. Yeah. I, Pulp is quietly having one of his best, not one of his best tournaments, but a very, very good yeah. tournament. He hasn't been hasn't been mentioned in the same breath as say Kane or anybody else. He's just very quietly, but he's just playing very very well. Pogba is really important because he's doing the the work in defense, let's say, to help also Kante, but he's also creating a lot of chances, mm -hmm. and I think that uh, this is really impressive also. And he's speaking much less than before, but he's showing on the pitch that uh, he's one of the best also. That's exactly what I want from Paul. Speaking Paul. Spanish yeah. now as well, isn't he? So. Yeah. <laughs> it is impressive how many languages <laughs> yeah. he I think his wife is Bolivian, so... Oh, really? That's why. Oh, okay. Probably. He's married? Oh, his girlfriend or his... Uh... Oh. Well, I thought that would have been a bit young. <laughs> um, the French press are none too happy with Thierry Henry. 
Yes, because as you they know... They want him to resign. <laughs> as you know, Thierry Henry is taking care of the attack of Belgium, so he's uh, giving some tips to Hazard and Lukaku and everyone. So now the, the headlines in French is almost about this, ahead of the game. And even some uh, journalists in France, they said that he should resign for a few days, like uh, not be there for the game against France, <laughs> not be there on the bench, and yeah. then uh, he can come back uh, for the next game. It's uh, extraordinary. We're in 2018, and people still not... Um, understand the concept of professional football yeah exactly and professionalism just do your job yeah exactly yeah um you mentioned Loris already he had that one fantastic save i i would say he made his save moments before i told somebody else in the newsroom that he was the weak point for france <laughs> uh what have you made of him in this tournament because he has been sort of singled out for quite a bit of criticism but you've been I've, impressed I've, with him or i think people in france they are they always have this um, opinion about Lloris that he maybe he's not as good as Barthes, for instance, who was the goalkeeper in 98. He's definitely better than Barthes. Lloris <laughs> did, uh, for instance, a big mistake against Sweden in the qualifications. But I think so far in the World Cup, he did what he had to do. And he's uh, at the level with the rest of the team. So now we will see with the semi-final and hopefully the final. Yeah. But yeah. And I think he's also, he's not speaking a lot, but he's a good leader for the team. So this is also important. He's respected by everyone. And what about the what about the French defense? Because they're going to come up against arguably the best attack in the tournament with Lukaku and Hazard. Are they going to be able to cope okay with that? I think that which, what is strange is that they took three goals against Argentina. Uh, so you can say that the defense was weak and everything. Mm -hmm. But the feeling during the game against Argentina is that finally Argentina didn't have so many chances. We managed quite well. So I think it will be the same. I guess that Depending on where Azar will play, he will be taken care of by Armandez and N'Golo Kante. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is De Bruyne. I think uh, okay. Mathieu will play on, on De Bruyne or something like this. So I think there are options for this defense to take care of, uh, of Belgium. Their final, Belgium's final goal against um, uh, Brazil was maybe my favorite goal of the tournament so far. De Bruyne's goal. Yeah. De Bruyne's goal. Yeah. It's the a movement goal. from Lukaku and everything about it was just... Uh, sensational. I was in the toilet when that happened, annoyingly. <laughs> oh, you missed that. <laughs> um, how will Deschamps set up to stop Belgium then? Oh, you, we were talking about it. He's going to put a Kante on, on Hazard, right? Is that going to be the key thing? I think if Hazard is playing on the right side, yeah. it will be a box like they did for Messi for, with Hernandez and, uh, and Kante, more or less. Mm -hmm. Then it depends if he plays, if uh, Martinez puts Mertens or if he puts uh, oh, the yeah. burn. It yeah. depends. Yeah, I think it's going to be Hazard on the left and De Bruyne yeah, so on the right side. So he's got, De Bruyne's Bavard, looked so much better in the past couple of games when he's been unleashed and yeah, moved yeah. For, a bit forward. Like I don't, I don't like him playing in that deeper position at all. I think it no. wastes his talent. Yeah, no. it's too far away from the box. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean that third goal against Japan and that the goal that he scored against Brazil were both mm. a result of him just bursting from midfield, weren't they? Yeah. So he's, he's not allowed to do that. Also right. against Brazil, you could see that. The absence of Casimiro was really important yeah. because I think mm. that <coughs> this space for the brain, it would not happen if Casimiro was there. Mm, and I think not, with Conte, yeah. they would have much less space. What I'm interested to know, Andre, is how the hell did Belgium beat Brazil? Oh, the key to to the to win that game was um, the change that Martinez did in the beginning of the game. Oh yeah, he started with two holding midfielders, and if you want to beat Brazil. That's the only answer. So it started with uh, Fellaini and Witzel. And instead of De Bruyne on a deeper position. Mm -hmm. And that was like the team looked way more compact. And also added some some 
power to uh, set pieces with with Fellaini, with a big boy. Um, and ag big against guy. Brazil, that was the, those last twenty minutes. Brazil looked a bit desperate and tried a lot a lot of long balls into into the box, which is at the same time kind of stupid because they don't have a typical number nine. Um, but all the problems were easily solved by the the towers of of the defense and also uh, Fellaini. Okay. Will he set up the same against France? I think it's going to be exactly the same thing. There's the difference because Meunier cannot play. Yes. And that's the big question about Belgium because uh, I'm not sure if they're going to... If we're going to see Carrasco on the right side as a, as a, a winger or it's going to be dead Donka. Because it's not... It's, it's more of a six. Yeah. He used to play as a six, but he played as a right back a couple of times with, uh, with Anderlecht. And I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really curious to see what's going to be the, the the Roberto Martinez strategy and tactics for the game. I still can't get over Roberto Martinez as a semi-final World <laughs> Cup manager. It's not that bad. I don't. I don't see why the. I think the bad publicity. His time at. I think his time at Everton soiled his reputation. Uh, he had a couple of seasons there where he was very very poor, and he, his cup runs with wig and paper over a lot of cracks mm -hmm. is what I would say. Okay, but no one was really good with Everton. <laughs> Ask Everton fans how they feel about him. Seriously, oh, okay. like they hate All right. him. Yeah. Uh, Belgium are unbeaten in their last 23 matches, a national record and the longest current run of any team left in the 2018 World Cup. Is it going to be any different against France? If there's a team in the, in the World Cup that can beat France, I think Belgium is the one. Okay. They can make it. So you're going for a Belgium win? Uh, I think France will make it in the in in the end, uh, but um, but I'm really curious to see how, how Belgium's gonna gonna be. Dan, I fancy Belgium actually. I think it's gonna be very close, but I think they'll they'll do it. Roman, I don't think we need to ask you. <laughs> I think it's going to be close, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, a quick word about Brazil. Uh, they're going they're going home anyway. Um, Neymar called it the saddest moment of his career, saying it's hard to find the strength to play soccer again. <laughs> A bit dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> of course, it's overreacting. It's, yeah. uh, it's the kind of thing that that you say where you just broke up with your girlfriend and you just <laughs> I can never love just again. Plain stupid, exactly. I don't believe in love and all this. Yeah, stuff. love is hell. Fun <laughs> fact: Neymar had more haircuts than goals at the World Cup. It's <laughs> impressive. Uh, will Teach stay in charge? Yeah, definitely. You will. Okay. It, it's it's a long term uh, project, and the most important thing uh, with Tite, he, he brought. Uh, mentality. It brought uh, organization that was something that was lacking in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And Brazil looked like a very strong team. If if this competition was a league, they would probably win it on the on the league type of competition. Now it needs to prepare the team for a knockout stage. That's the only the next step. The next step. Okay, uh, I have a question for all of you. I just want a one word answer. If you had to choose the winner of the golden ball at this stage, who would you go for? That's pretty easy for me. Luka Modric? Luka Modric. Okay. He's been the, the best in the, in the tournament so far. Yeah. M most consistent player. Dan? Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. <laughs> Harry Maguire is a, a strong problem. A very, very strong problem. He always jumps with uh, his, uh, his elbow mm. like this. Yeah. And that's pretty dangerous. If he hits uh, somebody, it's going to be a problem. Well... But it's a problem that he had that on on whole city. I remember that mm. every in every set piece he would be like, oh, "Here's my elbow." <laughs> like if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, Roman, your golden ball winner at this stage. 
I would say Modric, but to say something different, Conte. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's take a quick uh, musical sting and then we'll come back and talk some transfers. Now, outside of Russia, the world keeps on turning and churning out the transfer stories, the biggest one of which is Ronaldo to Juventus. We touched upon it a bit last week with Francesco, our sort of local transfer expert. But for Dan, uh, Dan, for those who sort of have been too involved in the World Cup to follow this one, maybe you could tell us the story so far? Yeah, well, I'm reliably informed by our Italian colleagues that this sort of all, all stems back from that goal Ronaldo scored against Juventus in the Champions League back in April, was it? Yeah. And that amazing the overhead kick. kick. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the the response that he got from the Juventus crowd there, they all you know stood up mm. and applauded him. Apparently, that sort of warmed the cockles of his heart and made him remember how he used to admire Juventus as a child and all this kind of thing. Apparently, <laughs> he came very close to joining Juventus from Sporting back in two thousand three. Yeah, true story. Um, oh. Marcello Salas um, didn't want to go the other, in the opposite direction, so the move fell through, and <sighs> Ronaldo ended up going to Manchester United instead. He'll never be forgiven for that one. Go yeah, on. and uh, and in terms of this transfer, the um, the talk is that uh, around January this year, you know, Ronaldo had a bit of a difficult start to to last season, wasn't scoring too many goals, and uh, Florentino Perez, Real Madrid's president, met with his agent, uh, George Mendes, and basically said, "We've decided we don't want to offer him another contract. We don't want to give him a pay rise." Um, and Mendes I'm flabbergasted. Kind of said, yeah, Mendes kind of said, "Well, he's going to leave then. What's what are we going to do? Because he's got a one billion Euro release clause. Mm-hmm. So apparently they came up with this gentleman's agreement that he could leave for 100 million to any club except Barcelona or PSG, um, which obviously <laughs> only leaves a handful of clubs who can afford that, but Juventus are... That's so petty, isn't it? That yeah. You can't do PSG or yeah, Barcelona. Yeah. So, so yeah, it looks like um, he might well be joining Juventus for uh, 100 million. Um, they're talking about his wages are going to be 60 million euros gross a year. Um, 30 million after tax, just the 30 million after tax. So over the course of the four-year deal that he's going to be offered, it's going to cost Juventus 340 million euros. The locals are very excited. There's now a CR7 gelato made by a local ice cream shop. Chocolate and coconut with a big CR7 and chocolate on the top. (laughs) When do people start referring to players by their initials and the shirt number, by the way? I blame Ronaldo. It makes them sound like... I, like farming machinery or something like I, that. The CR7. Yeah, yeah. We, need, we need to order another CR7. Yeah, yeah. They laziness. <laughs> it's yes. just it's branding. Isn't it all it? started when they were calling um, Robin Van Persie RVP. I think that was like. Uh, yeah. I think Americans started it, didn't they? They, no. they abbreviate everything. Americans. Nah, we love them. <laughs> uh, why the move to Juventus, Dre? Is it an ego thing? Um, it can be a bit of that. So the last couple of years... Other than, of course, the fact that, you know, the fans love him. And, yeah, also that. The, the, the last couple of years in, in Madrid were uh, really odd for Ronaldo with all the problems with uh, with Texas. Um, the, every time he, he wasn't... Every time he, he would... Be, imagine that Ronaldo would be like two weeks without scoring. It would be um, whistle on, on the stands mm. from, from Real Madrid fans. I mean, that's which insane. It's absolutely insane. He's probably the best player they have ever played for the club. Is the top scorer for for Real Madrid, and they still treat him like uh, just another just another dude in on in white. It, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, and after a while, I, I I feel like this is the right moment to leave and, and start a new project. He has won everything with with Real Madrid, everything. Mm. It, it, about motivation, if he needs something it's like a new boost in his career. I think going to Italy is 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 the best move. It's it's a great move. It's big for Italy too. It's amazing for for Serie A and uh, 
back to the good old days with uh, superstars and teams that can actually uh, fight for international titles. The problem is, uh, I mean, Serie sort of won already by Juventus, but he will be the main player there. I can understand why he wouldn't come back to the Premier League because he's got Pogba there, he's got De Bruyne there, he's got other players who could challenge him for the best player in the league. He goes to Serie A. I don't see it, I don't see it like that. I think it's an ego thing. I really think it's, he goes there, uh, he, he's the, thing, the man, nobody why, else why can challenge him. Why would he go back to, to England? What's, what's there? No, I think, yeah, I'm saying like he there's wouldn't go back. There's nothing in England for but him. I, but I don't think it's just, I think it's, there's footballing reasons behind it too. I think it might be his only option, really. If Barcelona and PSG, well, Barcelona probably wouldn't go for him anyway, but PSG yeah. certainly would. If they're not allowed to bid for him, and I suspect that Manchester United probably aren't that interested in him anymore. Mourinho's no. probably... All the marketing I, that goes with it? I just think 100 million plus, you know, whatever his wages, it's a lot of money and I think for, Mourinho's... He's still pretty good. But from the sport... No, like, certainly he is. Yeah. Strictly uh, footballing, um, football-wise, why would we go back to England? There's nothing there for him. It was there. He won. He won the, the league, he won the, the, the Champions League with Man United. Why would he go back? Yeah, There's no true. motivation for that. Yeah. Mm. Should Real Madrid let him leave anyway, there'll be a big hole that needs filling. Presumably won by, filled by Neymar, Roman. Is that true? I think that a lot of people talk about Neymar or Mbappé, for instance, mm -hmm. to fill in that gap. Yeah. I think that PSG will never sell Mbappé, at least not this season and not for the coming seasons. But for Neymar, if there is a good offer, I think it would really be an option because he created a lot of mess in Paris. Mm. There is also a big issue with Cavani, for instance. Mm. Now the rumor is that he wants Cavani to be out and Suarez to come instead of him. So, of course, for Ligue 1 and Paris, it was a huge uh, publicity and he's a great player. But I think that if really uh, like 300 million comes or something like this, they could sell him, definitely. So it wouldn't be, say, uh, a kind of black eye for French football if Neymar were to leave. There'd almost be a sense of relief. Honestly, Mbappé could be better than Neymar in one or two years, maybe. So mm, I think he already is. For French uh, French football, it it will be something huge if Neymar leaves, of course. Yeah. Because it would be just one for one season. Mm -hmm. But I think we have already some players to fill in this gap, also. Can we have a quick word on why Coutinho is not joining PSG? Because PSG has to struggle with uh, financial fair play. Yeah. Okay. They cannot spend 270 million on a player this uh, this uh, summer. Only if they sell uh, Neymar, they can yeah. try to juggle it. And, and still, I, I I feel like they would need to get rid of Di Maria and yeah. eventually Cavani, which is not I don't think would be the the clever clever to do it. And of course, there's no way Coutinho is worth 270 million. <laughs> but that doesn't matter these days. Yes, it doesn't matter. But yeah. no. um, also, Eden Hazard to Real Madrid. That's who they should be going for, I think. Oh. They should be going all out for Eden Hazard. He's better. He's a better player than Neymar, as far as I'm concerned. Made my feelings pretty clear on Neymar on this podcast. I've been going <laughs> well, see, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 think I actually don't think you're wrong. I, no. think, I think there's something to that. I'm, you can get him for 150 million. And it would be quite funny if they did it after the Premier League transfer window had closed. <laughs> <laughs> You're so transparent today. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Hazard better Hazard better than Neymar. Um, it's I would say it's a tough thing. It's not. It's not. Things are not easy on Neymar these days because he's not. He's really far from his best. He was injured for uh, for months, and he started the World Cup. I would say like in 50, 60 percent of uh, his his uh, his potential. The whole thing with the, the time spent on the floor, 
didn't help. 14 minutes. Uh, the, the the way the media treated Neymar through this whole process, uh, it was it was pretty poor in my opinion. But he didn't help himself either. Uh, but that's th the problem. He's creating the problem in the first place. You have a lot of divers in modern football, and Neymar is always the guy. Always the guy. And uh, nobody, no, not as much as him. No, we creating a, a new kind of hate against Neymar, which I, gen I generally don't understand. It's probably the world record transfer fee. He's probably done a lot. Of Maybe I don't know. Because it's he, the same with Pogba in this first season. I, again, the the last six months with Barcelona were amazing for for Neymar. He reached a level that I honestly I didn't think he could reach right now. I was expecting that in two three years. And two years ago in at Barca, mm. it was because he, he, he played as a, he played as part of a team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, Hazard better than Neymar? I think that uh, Neymar is more talented, but he has to polish his game and his attitude also. He cannot win a football game on his own. Exactly. These sort of rational answers, I don't know where you're going with them. <laughs> I want more of these outbursts like Dan brings to the podcast. Uh, one final word before we wrap up, Andre, can you explain why Paulinho has moved back to China? Is it just money? Money, lots of money, like piles of money. <laughs> Um, tons of money. <laughs> so um, he's going. He's going back to China on a loan deal. Uh, there's no clause, like no obligation clause on, on on the buy in the end of the season, and he's going to earn a lot more money than he was earning in in uh, Barcelona. So I, I I understand. More than something we... sinister going on here, isn't there? <laughs> oh come on! It's, it's China. <laughs> That's it's China. Obviously, something sinister going on, but. I understand. It's sticking apparently in front of Which <laughs> It's something weird about it because it was actually quite useful to Barcelona during the last season. And when it, when he, he joined Barca, everyone was saying, whoa, this is crazy. Why mm -hmm. Paulinho? But um, in the second half of the season, it was he, really, really important yeah, for the team. Yeah. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Dan, Andre, Roman, and producer, no, not Damo, Phil. <laughs> Damo didn't show up today. We, we don't know where he is. We'll be back on Friday after the semi-finals to talk about all of that and preview the big third place playoff. We may even mention the final. Roman, good luck. Thanks. Dan, good luck. Don't need luck. What about me? I need luck. Nah, you, you just get my love. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening.